section twelve chapters thirty eight through forty of the three sisters by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter thirty eight the next person to be told was rowcliffe it was known in the village through the telegrams that gwenda was going away the postmistress told mrs gale who told mrs blenkiron these two persons and four or five others had known ever since sunday that the vicar's daughter was going away and the vicar did not know it yet and mrs blenkiron told rowcliffe on the wednesday before alice told him for it was alice who told him and not gwenda gwenda was not at home when he called at the vicarage at three o'clock but he heard from alice that she would be back at four and it was alice who told mrs gale that when the doctor called again he was to be shown into the study he had waited there thirteen minutes before gwenda came to him he looked at her and was struck by a difference he found in her a difference that recalled some look in her face that he had seen before it was dead white and in its whiteness her blue eyes dark and dilated quivered with defiance and a sort of fear she looked older and at the same time younger as young as alice and as helpless in her fear then he remembered that she had looked like that the night she had passed him in the doorway of the house at upthorne how cold your hands are he said she hid them behind her back as if they had betrayed her do you want to see me about ally no i don't want to see you about ally i want to see you about yourself her eyes quivered again won't you come into the drawing-room then i'd rather stay here if you don't mind i say how much time have i till when well till your father comes back he won't be back for another hour but i hear you're going away on friday and that you're going for good did mary tell you no it was alice she said i was to try and stop you you can't stop me if i want to go i'll do my best they stood as they talked in rigid attitudes that suggested that neither was going to yield an inch why didn't you tell me yourself gwenda she closed her eyes it was as if she had forgotten why was it because you knew i wouldn't let you did you want to go as much as all that it looks like it doesn't it yes but you don't want to go a bit would i go if i didn't yes it's just the sort of thing you would do if you thought it would annoy me it's only what you've been doing for the last three months getting away from me three months oh i cared for you before that it's only the last three months i've been trying to tell you you never told me anything because you never gave me a chance you kept on putting me off and if i did didn't that show that i didn't want you to tell me i don't want you to tell me now he made an impatient movement but you knew without telling you knew then i didn't i didn't well then you know now will you marry me or will you not i want it straight no no and why not he was horribly cool and calm because i don't want to marry you i don't want to marry anybody good god what do you want then i want to go away and earn my own living as other women do the absurdity of it melted him he could have gone down on his knees at her feet and kissed her cold hands he wondered afterward why on earth he hadn't then he remembered that all the time she had kept her hands locked behind her you poor child you don't want to earn your own living i'll tell you what you do want you want to get away from home and what if i do you've seen what it's like would you stay in it a day longer than you could help if you were me of course i wouldn't 
of course i've seen what it's like i saw it the first time i saw you here in this detestable house i want to take you away out of it i think i wanted to take you away then oh no not then not so long ago as that it was as if she had said not that that makes it too hard any cruelty you like but that or i can't go through with it yes he said as long ago as that you can't take me away can't i i can take you anywhere and i will anywhere you like you've only got to say i know i can make you happy how do you know because i know you that's what you're always saying and you know nothing about me nothing nothing she said to herself he doesn't he doesn't even know why i'm going i know a lot more than you think and a lot more than you know yourself i know that you're not happy as you are and i know that you can't live without happiness if you're not happy you'll be ill more horribly ill perhaps than alice look at alice i'm not like alice not now not next year not for ten years perhaps or twenty but you don't know what you may be she raised her head i shall never be like that never rowcliffe laughed it struck her then that that was what she ought never to have said if she wanted to carry out her purpose when i say i'm not like ally i mean that i'm not so dependent on people i'm not gentle like ally i'm not as loving and i'm not as womanly in fact i'm not womanly at all my dear child do you suppose it matters to me what you're not as long as i love you as you are no she said you don't love me really you only think you do she clung to that why do you say that gwenda because if you did i should have known it before now well considering that you do know it now i mean you'd have said so before i say i like that i'd have said so about five times if you'd ever given me a chance oh no you had your chance when did i have it when the other day up at bar hill you thought so then i didn't say i thought so then i think so now that's rather clever of you because you see if you thought so then that shows what does it show why that you knew all the time and that you were thinking of me you did know you did think no no it's only that i've got to that you're making me think of you now but i'm not thinking of you the way you want if you're not if you haven't thought of me the way i want then i can't make you out you're beyond me they sat down tired out with the struggle as if they had reached the same point of exhaustion at the same instant why not leave it at that she said he rallied because i can't leave it at that you knew i cared you must have seen i could have sworn you saw i could have sworn she knew what he was going to swear and she stopped him i did see that you thought you cared for me if you'd been quite sure you'd have told me you wouldn't have waited you're not quite sure now you're only telling me now because i'm going away if i hadn't said i was going away you'd never have told me you'd just have gone on waiting till you were quite sure she had irritated him now beyond endurance gwenda he said savagely you're enough to drive a man mad you've told me that before anyhow don't you see that i should go on driving you mad don't you see how unhappy you'd be with me how impossible it all is she laughed it was marvellous to her how she achieved that laugh it was as if she had just thought of it and it came i can see he said that you don't care for me he had given himself into her hands hands that seemed to him diabolic in their play did i ever say i cared well of all the women you are no you didn't say it did i ever show it 
good god how do i know what you showed if it had been any other woman yes i could have sworn you can't swear to any woman i'm afraid till you've married her perhaps not then you shouldn't say things like that they sound how do they sound as if you knew too much she smiled well then there's another reason he softened suddenly i didn't mean that gwenda you don't know what you're saying you don't know anything it's only that you're so beastly clever that's a better reason still you don't want to marry a beastly clever woman you really don't i'd risk it that sort of cleverness doesn't last long it would last your time she said she rose it was as much as giving him his dismissal he stood a moment watching her she and all her movements still seemed to him incredible do you mind telling me where you're going to i'm going to mummy she explained to his blankness my stepmother he remembered mummy was the lady who was the very one the lady of remarkable resources it seemed to him then that he saw it all he knew what she was going for i see instead of your sister he sneered papa wouldn't let ally go to her but he can't stop me oh no nobody could stop you she smiled softly she had missed the brutality of his emphasis he said to himself that gwenda was impossible she was obstinate and conceited and wrong-headed she was utterly selfish a cold mass of egoism cold he was not so sure she might be but she was capable he suspected of adventures instead of taking her sister away to have her chance she was rushing off to secure it herself and the irony of the thing was that it was he who had put it into her head well she was no worse and no better than the rest of them only unlike them in the queerness of her fascination he wondered how long it would have lasted you couldn't go on caring for a woman like that who had never cared a rap about you and yet he could have sworn oh that was nothing she had only thought of him because he had been her only chance he made himself think these things of her because they gave him unspeakable consolation all the way back to morph he thought them while on his right hand carva rose and receded and rose again and changed at every turn its aspect and its form he thought them to an accompaniment of an interior persistent voice the voice of his romantic youth that said to him that is her hill her hill do you remember that's where you met her first that's where you saw her jumping that's her hill her hill her hill chapter thirty nine the vicar had been fidgeting in his study getting up and sitting down and looking at the clock every two minutes gwenda had told him that she wanted to speak to him and he had stipulated that the interview should be after prayer time for he knew that he was going to be upset he never allowed family disturbances if he could help it to interfere with the attitude he kept up before his maker he knew perfectly well she was going to tell him of her engagement to young rowcliffe and though he had been prepared for the news any time for the last three months he had to pull himself together to receive it he would have to pretend that he was pleased about it when he wasn't pleased at all he was in fact intensely sorry for himself it had dawned on him that with alice left a permanent invalid on his hands he couldn't really afford to part with gwenda she might be terrible in the house but in her way a way he didn't altogether approve of she was useful in the parish she would cover more of it in an afternoon than mary could in a month of sundays but though the idea of gwenda's marrying was disagreeable to him for so many reasons 
he was not going to forbid it absolutely he was only going to insist that she should wait it was only reasonable and decent that she should wait until alice got either better or bad enough to be put under restraint the vicar's pity for himself reached its climax when he considered that awful alternative he had been considering it ever since rowcliffe had spoken to him about alice it was just like gwenda to go and get engaged at such a moment when he was beside himself but he smoothed his face into a smile when she appeared well what is it what is this great thing you've come to tell me it struck him that for the first time in her life gwenda looked embarrassed as well she might be oh it isn't very great papa it's only that i'm going away going away i don't mean out of the country only to london ha going to london he rolled it ruminatingly on his tongue well if that's all you've come to say it's very simple you can't go he bent his knees with the little self-liberating gesture that he had when he put his foot down but said gwenda i'm going he raised his eyebrows and why is this the first time i've heard of it because i want to go without any bother since i'm going to go oh consideration for me i suppose for both of us i don't want you to worry that's why you've chosen a time when i'm worried out of my wits already i know papa that's why i'm going he was arrested both by the astounding statement and by something unusually placable in her tone he stared at her as his way was then suddenly he had a light on it gwenda there must be something behind all this you'd better tell me straight out what's happened nothing has happened you know what i mean we've spoken about this before is there anything between you and young rowcliffe nothing nothing whatever of the sort you mean you're sure there hasn't been he paused discreetly for his word some misunderstanding quite sure there isn't anything to misunderstand i'm going because i want to go there are too many of us at home too many of you in the state your sister's in that's exactly why i'm going i'm trying to tell you ally'll go on being ill as long as there are three of us knocking about the house you'll find she'll buck up like anything when i'm gone there's nothing the matter with her really that may be your opinion it isn't rowcliffe's i know it isn't but it soon will be it was your own idea a little while ago yes before this last attack perhaps do you know what rowcliffe thinks of her yes but i know a lot more about ally than he does and so do you well they were sitting down to it now but i can't afford to keep you if you go away of course you can't you won't have to keep me i'm going to keep myself again he stared this was preposterous it's all right papa it's all settled by whom by me you've found something to do in london not yet i'm going to look and what inquired the vicar with an even suaver irony can you do i can be somebody's secretary whose oh said gwenda airily anybody's and if i may ask what will you do and where do you propose to stay while you're looking for him he felt that he expressed himself with perspicacity that's all arranged i'm going to mummy the vicar was silent with the shock of it i'm sorry papa said gwenda but there's nowhere else to go if you go there said mr carteret you will certainly not come back here all that had passed till now had been mere skirmishing the real battle had begun gwenda set her face to it i shall not be coming back in any case she said that question can stand over till you've gone 
i shall be gone on friday by the three train i shall not allow you to go by any train how are you going to stop me he had not considered it you don't suppose i'm going to give you any money to go with you needn't i've got heaps and how are you going to get your luggage to the station oh the usual way there'll be no way if i forbid peacock to carry it or you can you forbid jim greatorex he'll take me like a shot i can put your luggage under lock and key he was still stern though he was aware that the discussion was descending to sheer foolishness i'll go without it i can carry a toothbrush and a comb and mummy will have heaps of nightgowns the vicar leaned forward and hid his face in his hands before that poignant evocation of robina gwenda saw that she had gone too far she had a queer longing to go down on her knees before him and drag his hands from his poor face and ask him to forgive her she struggled with and overcame the morbid impulse the vicar lifted his face and for a moment they looked at each other while he measured visibly his forces against hers she shook her head at him almost tenderly he was purely pathetic to her now it's no use papa you'd far better give it up you know you can't do it you can't stop me you can't stop jim greatorex you can't even stop peacock you don't want another scandal in the parish he didn't oh go your own way he said and take the consequences i have taken them said gwenda she thought i wonder what he'd have said if i'd told him the truth but if i had he'd never have believed it the truth indeed was far beyond the vicar's power of belief he only supposed after some reflection that gwenda was going off in a huff because young rowcliffe had failed to come to the scratch he knew what this running up to london and earning her own living meant she he would have trusted ally sooner gwenda was capable of anything and as he thought of what she might be capable of in london he sighed god help her chapter forty it was may five weeks since gwenda had left garthdale five wednesdays came and went and rowcliffe had not been seen or heard of at the vicarage it struck even the vicar that considerably more had passed between his daughter and the doctor than gwenda had been willing to admit whatever had passed it had been something that had made rowcliffe desire not to be seen or heard of all the same the vicar and his daughter alice were both so profoundly aware of rowcliffe that for five weeks they had not mentioned his name to each other when mary mentioned it on friday in the evening of that disgraceful day he said that he had had enough of rowcliffe and he didn't want to hear any more about the fellow mr carteret had signified that his second daughter's name was not to be mentioned either but becoming as his attitude was he had not been able to keep it up in the sixth week after gwenda's departure he was obliged to hear it was alice amazed out of all reticence who told him that gwenda had got a berth as companion secretary to lady frances gilby at a salary of a hundred a year mummy had got it for her you may well stare molly but it's what she says the vicar as if he had believed ally capable of fabricating this intelligence observed that he would like to see that letter his face darkened as he read it he handed it back without a word the thing was not so incredible to the vicar as it was to mary he had always known that robina could pull wires it was in fact through her ability to pull wires that robina had so successfully held him up she had her hands on the connections of an entire social system her superior ramifications were among those whom mr carteret habitually spoke and thought of as the best people and when it came to connections robina's were of the very best lady frances was her second cousin in the days when he was trying to find excuses for marrying robina 
it was in considering her connections that he found his finest the vicar had informed his conscience that he was marrying robina because of what she could do for his three motherless daughters and himself preferment even lay through the gilbys within robina's scope but to have planted gwenda on lady frances robina must have pulled all the wires she knew lady frances was a distinguished philanthropist and a rigid evangelical so rigid and so distinguished that in the eyes of poor parsons waiting for preferment she constituted a pillar of the church to the vicar as he brooded over it robina's act was more than mere protection of his daughter gwenda not only was it carrying the war into the enemy's camp with a vengeance it was an act of hostility subtler and more malignant than overt defiance ever since she left him robina had been trying to get hold of the girls regarding them as the finest instruments in her relentless game for it never occurred to mr carteret that his third wife's movements could by any possibility refer to anybody but himself robina according to mr carteret was perpetually thinking of him and of how she could annoy him she had shown a fiendish cleverness in placing gwenda with lady frances she couldn't have done anything that could have annoyed him more more than anything that robina had yet done it put him in the wrong it put him in the wrong not only with lady frances and the best people but it put him in the wrong with gwenda and kept him there against gwenda with lady frances and a salary of a hundred a year at her back he hadn't the appearance of a leg to stand on the thing had the air of justifying gwenda's behaviour by its consequences that was what robina had been reckoning on for if it had been gwenda she had been thinking of she would have kept her instead of handing her over to lady frances the companion secretaries of that distinguished philanthropist had no sinecure even at a hundred a year as for gwenda's accepting such a post that proved nothing as against his view of her it only proved what he had always known that you could never tell what gwenda would do next and because nothing could be said with any dignity the vicar had said nothing as he rose and went into his study it was there hidden from his daughter's scrutiny that he pondered these things they waited till the door had closed on him before they spoke well after all that'll be very jolly for her said mary it isn't half as jolly as it looks said ally it means that she'll have to live at tunbridge wells oh said mary it won't be all tunbridge wells she couldn't bear to think that it would be all tunbridge wells not that she did think it for a moment it couldn't be all tunbridge wells for a girl like gwenda mummy could never have contemplated that gwenda couldn't have contemplated it and mary refused to contemplate it either she persuaded herself that what had happened to her sister was simply a piece of the most amazing luck she even judged it probable that gwenda had known very well what she was doing when she went away besides she had always wanted to do something she had learned shorthand and typewriting at westbourne as if long ago she had decided that if home became insupportable she would leave it and there had always been that agreement between her and mummy when mary put these things together she saw that nothing could be more certain than that sooner or later ally or no ally gwenda would have gone away but this was after it had occurred to her that rowcliffe ought to know what had happened and that she had got to tell him and that was on the day after gwenda's letter came when mrs gale having brought in the tea-things paused in her going to say have you seen dr rawcliffe miss mary eh but he's looking bad everybody said mary is looking bad this muggy weather that reminds me how's the baby he's worse again miss i tell essie she'll never rear him has the doctor seen him to-day no no not yet but he'll look in he says before he goes 
Mary looked at the clock. Rowcliffe left the surgery at 4.30. It was now five minutes past. She wondered, did he know then, or did he not know? Would Gwenda have written to him? Or was it because she had not written that he was looking bad? Or was it because she had written and he knew? She thought and thought it over, and under all her thinking there lurked the desire to know whether Rowcliffe knew and how he was taking it, and under her desire the longing, imperious and irresistible, to see him. She would have to ask him to the house. She had not forgotten that she had to ask him, that she was pledged to ask him on Ally's account if, as Gwenda had put it, she was to play the game. But she had had more than one motive for her delay. It would look better if she were not in too great a hurry. She said to herself it would look better on Ally's account. The longer he was kept away, she said to herself that he was kept away from Ally, the more he would be likely to want to come. Sufficient time must elapse to allow of his forgetting Gwenda. It was not well that he should be thinking all the time of Gwenda when he came. She said to herself it was not well on Ally's account. And it was well that their father should have forgotten Rowcliffe. This on Ally's account, too. For, of course, it was only on Ally's account that she was asking Rowcliffe, really. Not that there seemed to be any such awful need. For Ally, in those five weeks, had got gradually better. And now, in the first week of May, which had always been one of her bad months, she was marvelously well. It looked as if Gwenda had known what she was talking about when she said Allie would be all right when she was gone. And, of course, it was just as well, on Allie's account, that Rowcliffe should not have seen her until she was absolutely well. Nobody could say that she, Mary, was not doing it beautifully. Nobody could say she was not discreet, since she had let five weeks pass before she asked him. And in order that her asking him should have the air of happy chance, she must somehow contrive to see him first. For seeing him could be managed any Wednesday in the village. It was bound, in fact, to occur. The wonder was that it had not occurred before. Well, that showed how hard, all these weeks, she'd been trying not to see him. If she had had an uneasy conscience in the matter, and she said to herself that there could be no occasion for one, it would have acquitted her. Nobody could say she wasn't playing the game and then it struck her that she had better go down at once and see Essie's baby. It was only five and twenty past four. End of section 12. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.